0: Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to gather here together. We thank you that it's by your Holy Spirit that we are gathered, that you have called us uh, to come and to be a part of uh, uh, this service in which you come to us and you give to us. Uh, that which we need uh, for today. So Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts and our minds today, open our, our, our hearts to receive your word. Uh, Lord, teach us what it means to be a church that is about the work of prayer today. Uh, teach us, Heavenly Father, that, that prayer first Uh, is the motto that we should have, and everything that we do as a congregation in our process and in our vision, it should be undergirded with this uh, gift that you've given to us of prayer. We thank you that you're gracious and merciful. Uh, We thank you that you listen to us, and we thank you that you speak to us, uh, that you are an active God in our lives. For this, we give you thanks and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Our sermon text today comes from Colossians chapter four, Colossians four, verses two through six. Here, St. Paul is encouraging the believers. In Colossae, he says, continue, continue steadfast in prayer. Steadfast in prayer. Being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the word To declare the mystery of Christ, that is, the gospel, on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, I I don't think it's it's a secret, and I think it's it's very normal for congregations uh, to experience ebbs and flows. It's no secret that Maple Park Church, uh, this church, our congregation, needs to experience revitalization. I believe that we're at a point where revitalization is needed. And it's normal, it is normal for churches to go through periods of growth and periods of decline I believe the most important thing for us is to recognize when a church needs to experience revitalization uh, within uh, the, the within the people. So right now I believe that Maple Park Church is at a crossroads. And some serious consideration needs to be given to ways in which God revitalizes churches. And that's the key. How does God, how does God desire to revitalize us so we need to ask that question how does God want to bring revitalization to Maple Park Church we know that God wants renewal he wants a renewal in in the gospel and in the mission of the church but how does he want to do that how does he desire to bring to us revitalization And in church revitalization, I think there's a warning that needs to be spoken. And the warning goes something like this. If we listen to everything, and if we listen to everyone that has something to say about church revitalization, but we fail to listen to God, we completely fail. We completely fail. So the most important ingredient in experiencing renewal and revitalization here at Maple Park Church is to listen to God. Listen to God. So the word of God and prayer are first. In your bulletin, there's a handout. I normally don't give out homework when I preach. But for the next few weeks, I do have Homework for us. There's a sermon outline actually for you today too, so you can use the one side for, to follow along with the sermon. And there's homework also. And this homework will take us through selected passages from the book of Acts. And really what I want us to do as a congregation is to take time and to consider what the early church did in the book of Acts that brought revitalization, specifically prayer. Specifically, prayer. How did the early church pray? And what were the results of prayer within the early church? So today, we begin, pray first, pray first. I believe that prayer needs to undergird everything that we do as a congregation as we move towards revitalization. So the first point that we have is this. Number one is to listen to God. We must listen to God. Because if we, if we listen to what everybody has to say out there and, 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 uh, and we listen to all of the opinions, but we fail to listen to God, I believe that we completely fail from the get-go. So point number one, listen to God. As we, as we journey through this process of revitalization... And by the way, it is a process. It is a process that takes time. We will will take two steps backward, and then we'll take three steps forward. Uh, We will stumble along the way. Experts say that it takes years for revitalization to happen if it's going to be sustained. So regardless of where the journey takes us, we seek to revitalize the ministry of Maple Park, we must listen to God. If this is the goal, to to seek revitalization here, we must listen to God. So what has God told us about his church? What is God's plan for, for a healthy church? And where do we hear from God if God does speak to us? And we truly do believe that God speaks. So where do we hear from God? Well, first of all, we we hear from God through his word. So we listen to his word. So the word is first and foremost. And secondly, what what then leads or grows out of listening to his word is then we are moved to pray. So second, we adopt the rule or the norm of pray first. Pray first. We cannot have an encounter with God in His word and not be moved to pray. So as Paul says, continue steadfast in prayer, being watchful in it. So the word and prayer are first. The word and prayer, they go together. This is the most important ingredient in revitalization. Now, will we listen to people? Absolutely. We will listen to godly people, but we'll try to listen only to people who speak the Word of God into our ministry. Only people who speak the Word of God into our ministry. And Tom Rayner and Ed Stetzer are two of, of the best researchers and scholars in the area of church revitalization. In their research, the number one change of churches experiencing revitalization is prayer. Is that encouraging? As they study churches that have gone from decline to growth, they find that the number one change in those churches was a renewed emphasis upon prayer. really confirms what God's word teaches. So it's encouraging for me to study their research and to have them confirm what God has already says, what the word teaches. Churches that are committed to praying are experiencing Jesus at work in some incredible ways within congregations. Rainer's quoted in Stetzer's book, Comeback Churches, by saying this, there simply is no more important principle in church growth than prayer. The prayers of the early church unleashed the power of God to add thousands to the church. It happened then. It's happening in some churches today. And it can happen in your church. So when it comes to significant changes that are made in churches that experience revitalization, prayer has been at the top of the list. So in everything here at Maple Park, prayer must have top priority. That's why we're saying, pray first. Pray first. Dirk, uh, Ben... Uh, who are both on, on staff and I, we've met. We've come up with this Pray First slogan because we believe that prayer must undergird everything that we do. Pray first. As we seek to implement plans, pray first. As we, as, we, as we go through this process of what it means to be a church that gathers, is transformed, and goes, we, we must pray first. Because a church without prayer is like a structure without support. The foundation is Jesus Christ and his word. But what builds the structure The prayers of God's people. So before we we decide to start a new outreach, what do we do? We pray first. Before we decide to go in a new direction, what do we do? We pray first. Before we decide to, to change something, what do we do? We pray first when we encounter a challenge or an obstacle, when we're discouraged, what do we choose to do? We choose to pray first. This really is the example set forth in the early church. When the early church encountered a challenge or when they were approaching a new venture, a new endeavor, they would gather to pray. And when they would gather to pray, they would experience the power of God in their midst. So the Bible teaches us about prayer. It teaches us about prayer and our own personal relationship with Jesus. And Jesus tells us that we ought to go into our prayer closet. That we ought to be in that place of prayer, developing our personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and that's so important that we develop personal prayer lives. But the Bible also teaches about the church at the work of corporate prayer, the church gathered to pray. So we have our personal prayer closet given to us within the scriptures, but we also have within the scriptures the corporate gathering of God's people in prayer meetings. Both your personal prayer closet and church gatherings that emphasize prayer are vital. They are vital to the health of the church. To go into your prayer closet and to pray. But don't forget the power that comes out of prayer meetings. Because wherever two or three are gathered, There, Christ promises to be in the midst of his people. As we read through the scriptures, we see that the early church regularly assembled to pray and God moved on behalf of the people. In Acts 1, 14, we read, all these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. Why did the early church pray? Why did they gather together? Because they knew that they needed to listen to God, that they needed God in their midst. So they prayed. Pray first. Where can you move in your life to gather with other believers to pray? Well, we have prayer meetings, they're on our church schedule, but well, we also have life groups. And a light came on for me. I said, we have many different life groups within our congregation. Gatherings of people, the, the uh, people within our church that gather around God's word. For the purpose of learning, but also for the purpose of praying. Not only learning God's word and fellowshipping around God's word, but also to pray. So we already have set up here at Maple Park... Uh, An incredible uh, structure in which we can gather together to pray together, to study God's word and to pray. So if you're not a part of, of a group where prayer is emphasized, I encourage you to become part of a life group, a prayer meeting, to be a part of something where you can gather with other believers here at Maple Park, where prayer is an emphasis where you can pray with your brothers and sisters in Christ. And to pray not only for the needs that exist within your small group, but to pray for your church, to pray for the ministry of Maple Park, and to pray for our community. To pray. To pray means what? What does it mean to pray? This is my second point. To pray is to trust in the power of God. To trust in the power of God. It's not natural for me to trust in the power of God. I like to trust in myself. I, I think that I have what it takes in order to solve the problems that I face in life. So when I get up in the morning, the first thing I begin to think about is what do I need to start doing today in order to tackle, to tackle today? What do I need to do in order to, to get the things done that need to be done today? And then before, I, before long, I realize that I have forgotten the most important thing, and that is to trust in the power of God, to pray first, because to pray first is to trust in his power and not in my own power or my own ability. So I believe the worst place we can be as a congregation is to set out, to venture out and to begin to do things and to forget to trust in the power of God. And when we fail to pray first, that's exactly what we're doing. We're trusting in our ability rather than in God's ability to accomplish what he desires to accomplish in our church. So it's not natural for me to trust in the power of God. I like to trust in my own ability. I believe I have what it takes. That's probably the worst place I can be in my personal life. So churches today need to be instructed in prayer. In the same way Jesus instructed his disciples, his followers in prayer. And in the same way the the apostles led the early church to emphasize prayer. We too need to be Instructed in prayer because human nature hasn't changed. Human nature is the same. We've always depended upon ourselves. We've always trusted in our own ability rather than trusting in the power of God. I love O'Hallisby's book, and that's one of the emphasis that we have in our church right now, especially in life groups. O'Hallisby says that prayer... Is nothing more than to let Jesus into our needs. We all have needs, right? Each and every one of us face difficulties in life, and prayer is nothing more than to let Jesus into your needs. Do you pray first? You trust in His power? As a congregation, do we pray first? Or do we just jump headlong into something or just kind of get into a rut? This is the way we've always done things, and we're not even seeking God, wondering or asking God, why do we do things the way we do things? Why are we structured the way we're structured? Why are we ministering the way we're ministering? Are we seeking God? Are we seeking to to listen to him and to trust in his power? You see, every body of believers has needs. There there isn't a single church body out there that is not struggling with something. Every church struggles. Maybe it's disunity. Maybe it's a, a lack of obedience to the Great Commission. Internal sin. A lack of generosity. Whatever the problem is, we don't have what it takes to solve whatever the challenge is today or whatever the challenge will be in the future. So we listen to God, and we trust in the power of God. And he's the one who moves in our midst to accomplish that which he's called us to accomplish. I love the way O'Hallisby connects prayer to uh, to the work of the church. In the third chapter of his book, he says this. When Jesus took leave of the 11 apostles at the Ascension, he entrusted to them a superhuman task. He has given to you, church, he has given to us a superhuman task a task which we do not have the ability to accomplish. He charged the apostles to go and to make disciples of all nations. Did you know that the very mission of the church which Jesus gave to his church is a superhuman task? We cannot accomplish it. We must pray first. Listen to God. Trust in his power, not in our own power. So what Christ has given to us to accomplish is beyond our ability. A superhuman task. I can't bring revitalization to our church. And you can't bring revitalization to our church. Only God can do that. We need his power so that we can plant the seeds of the gospel, water the seeds of the gospel, and see him move and work. So trust in the power of God. Pray first. Now I have words of encouragement. Many of you here today might say that you're discouraged about your prayer life. Guess what? I'm right with you. I am discouraged with my prayer life. But here's good news. No one ever masters prayer. No one ever masters prayer. The good news is is that through the word of God, the Holy Spirit will teach you how to pray. He'll teach you how to pray. And guess what? You have a body of believers here. that They love you. They care about you. And they want to help you in your prayer life. Life groups are focusing on prayer. And life groups were reading Hallisby's classic work on prayer. And you have a body of believers to which you can belong. So let your life group teach you how to pray. Be honest with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Say, I struggle with prayer. And I need you. I need you to help me. So that I can grow in prayer and then come alongside one another and strengthen one another and help one another in this area of prayer. Continue steadfast in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the gospel of Christ on account of which I'm in prison. That I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. So during our services for the next few weeks, we will preach on prayer from selected passages from the book of Acts. You'll also have opportunity at home to take your homework home, to spend some time considering these passages from the book of Acts. To to think of different insights you gain from the passage. to, To ask questions you might have about the passage. And then to see, how does this passage apply to my life? How does God want me to apply this to my life today? Maple Park Church, we need to be impacted by what the Bible teaches about churches and how they're effective and healthy and how they grow and how they accomplish the mission which Christ has given How do we do this? We pray first. We pray first. And there's more good news in prayer. God listens. Do you know that? Do you believe it? That he is alive and that he listens when we pray? God listens. Matthew 7, Jesus says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock, and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be open. He listens. And he speaks. God speaks. He isn't a silent God. He is a God that moves and works. You've experienced it in your life. You've experienced God moving in and through you. He listens and he speaks. He is a personal God. Ed Stetzer wrote, it's essential that we pray and hear from God. That we pray and hear from God when we seek to lead our churches through change. We should expect to hear from God. We should expect to hear from him when we pray. Why is it that when we talk to God, we call it prayer? But when God talks to us, we call it schizophrenia. We need to hear from God. And he will speak. We need his guidance. And when we hear from God, our faith is strengthened, and few things provide our faith with more of more thorough workout than divinely ordered vision. And Ed Stetzer says, "You receive such vision only through prayer, only through prayer." So we pray first. We pray first. So that's what we're about a church of prayer. Where is God going to take us? I don't know. We've talked in elder meetings before and, you know, we've wondered about five years from now. None of us has any idea what our church will look like five years from now. But there is one person who knows what our church will be five years from now. And that is God. Because He has a plan. He has a purpose. He has a direction. He has a way. We trust in him. We pray first. We follow him. Where he leads, we go. So more good news. Over you, God speaks. Specifically to you. To you. And the words that he speaks today are words of grace and mercy. Do you know that God isn't angry with you? He's not angry. Have you failed? Yes, we acknowledge that. Have we sinned? Yes. But is God angry with you? Does God hate you? No. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you so much that he sent his one and only Son to die upon the cross so that you would receive his grace and his mercy. So over you, God speaks. He speaks words of grace and mercy. He's not mad at you. He loves you. He loves you more than you could could ever imagine. And over our, our community, God speaks. He speaks words of grace and mercy over our community. You know, I hate it anytime there's a natural disaster and the TV preacher gets up and talks about God's judgment. Is that really God's disposition towards our community? Is that really what the Bible teaches? Does God hate our community because of our community sin and rebellion? No. He loves our community. He loves our community so much that he wants us to go to our community with the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So when God speaks, he speaks to you personally. And he says, I love you. I love you with an everlasting love. A love that sent Jesus Christ to the cross. A love that compelled Christ to take your sins away. A love that gives you the power of Jesus' resurrection and eternal life. And to this we can say, church, amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to gather together. And Lord, uh, I pray that you would so move within our midst that we would be compelled by your Holy Spirit to pray, even as I get up and and I say a a bunch of things about prayer. Um, Lord, without your Spirit, it's nothing. It just falls flat. So I pray that this word today would impact and transform and change us into people that are devoted to prayer. So in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.